0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to part three of the Weekend Mailbag. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the owner, the operator, the publisher, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com, Mr. Chris Nimbley, who above all else is a very big deal. And let's jump right back into the mailbag now with a question from CP7NY. He says, I still think this team is thin at wide receiver. Do you think they'll draft one or will they look at bringing in a veteran into camp? Especially with Q's injury history, I think this is a bigger need than people realize. I'll say this, I don't think wide receiver is a huge need, especially now that they got Jamison Crowder. I do understand the concern about Quincy Anunwa and especially after Dr. Steven Stoller was on last Sunday to talk about all the injuries surrounding the Jets, and he said Quincy Inunua is the one that scares him the most, and he could absolutely see a scenario where Anunwa's career is shortened significantly. I wouldn't be against necessarily adding a wide receiver in the draft if there's one you really like in the third or fourth round or something like that. However, I do like Deontay Burnett. I like what we saw out of him last year. And I would rather roll with him than go after some retread veteran along the lines of what we were hearing with Danny Amendola. So if there's a guy in the draft they really like who falls, I'm fine with it. I don't know that I would be going to rush to sign some sort of veteran wide receiver the way that they did last year with Rashard Matthews.
1: Yeah, the, I'm with you on the veteran thing. Now we'll have to wait and see if it plays out. You know, if somebody that's actually good might be a training camp cut, or it becomes available for a trade, then that would you know change things. But right now, you know, I know that earlier in the off season, fans had these uh, pie in the sky dreams of trading for Mike Evans, and then last month or two, people have been seemingly uh, shifted that attention to AJ Green. I don't. You know, obviously, Evans isn't going anywhere. I don't see A.J. Green, so I don't think it's going to be anyone of that caliber will be available. I do expect in the draft somebody, whether, you know, it depends, obviously, if they if they are able to trade out of that third overall pick and pick up a second-round uh, pick. You can see it there. But I think that there's one of those third-round picks. They'll probably go center and then the wide receiver there. I think there's going to be somebody... Uh, a good value to get in one of those third rounds. It's probably not going to be someone like Debo Samuel. I think he'll probably be gone, but there can be somebody there, a good receiver this is a very deep receiver class. Again, I talked about DK Metcalf. He's going to again not worth the third overall pick, but he'll probably be a mid to late first round pick. So if they trade down and they can do something there, that'll work. But, uh, there's This is a deep receiver class with a lot of speed. We know how Adam Gase likes speed, how well he uses speed, and he can get him in open space. So I could definitely see them going with receiver in that third round, maybe a fourth round, who knows.
2: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep.
0: Next question comes in from Peter Dillard. He says, The Jets can't feel good about their free safety position with May getting hurt the last two years. Do you see the Jets signing any of the remaining free agent safeties or addressing the position in the draft? I could certainly see it, especially a free agent safety. They have some cap space. There are some guys that are still available. Some depth would be nice. Because a lot of people have said the Jets have the safety position locked down. I'm not so sure. I like May when healthy. I don't think he's quite as good as some people make him out to be. But also, the keywords there are when healthy. He's 26. He's been hurt a lot his first two years. So I wouldn't be against it. And if there's a safety they really like who falls in the draft in the fourth, fifth round, something like that, I wouldn't be against it.
1: Yeah, I could see them definitely doing it in the later rounds, I, obviously clearly not going to do it in the first even if they trade down um it unlikely to do in the second if they somehow come away a second fix and i don't see in the third but fourth fifth uh seventh round something in there could definitely see them doing i could also obviously i would expect 100 percent expect that they'll bring in an undrafted free agent or two at safety and uh, then, But I'd I'd probably say you're more likely, if you're looking for somebody who will be able to contribute this year, you're more likely to get that on with the training camp cut market. You're probably going to see something like that. Um, I'm not sure that, who's who's out there right now, to be honest. I haven't been looking too closely at it, but I, I can't see anybody that you feel really great or comfortable with. So you could definitely see them adding somebody in the draft. 100% undraft, a hundred percent undrafted, free agency draft, and then the training camp cuts could go. But I definitely do agree. As much as I like Marcus May, you need to have a backup plan. And Rontez Miles is hurt, and he's definitely not a free safety. Doug Middleton has uh, had his own injury issues too. Terrence Brooks is gone now, so they need to have a backup plan for in case Marcus May can't stay healthy.
0: Next question comes in from NY Jets fans podcast wants to know, should Mac consider drafting a center in the third round if he doesn't sign one in free agency? My answer is yes, absolutely. If a center falls into the third round that they like, let's say somebody like Eric McCoy, who I know that they were planning to meet with, no question they should consider it, because even if they like Jonathan Harrison more than many other people do, you want to give him competition. There's no way you just hand him the job if there's an option available in the draft. That said, I'm going to say what I always say. I would not draft a center just to draft the center. If there's a center available and there's somebody that you like a lot more, like let's say Jakai Polite falls into the third round and you really like him and think he could be an impact player. Even if you drafted an edge rusher in the first round, you should absolutely consider picking somebody like that if he's available and you think that he slipped a lot and that he would be great value. So my answer is absolutely they should consider it. I wouldn't lock myself into it. But if there's a guy that they really like that falls to the third, no question, it should be in heavy consideration.
1: Yeah, well, I'll start with where you were finishing with the polite thing. The Jets – like I, guess I'm agreeing with what you're saying there at center. And I just said before about uh, pass rusher, you don't get them just to get them, but they do need two pass rushers. So if if there's somebody else there at third, then yeah, go ahead and do that too if you like. But in the third round, I mean. But center again, I'm gonna now I'm gonna co- slightly contradict my best player available here uh, because if in that third round, if I might. I'd take a uh, McCoy over somebody like say I have a wide receiver with a higher grade than McCoy. I'd probably go with that set, with McCoy just to protect Darnold because that is a need, but it's not just a need for this for this team to help this team. It's literally to protect and keep Sam Darnold healthy. So there's exceptions to every rule. Just like I'm not uh, I'm very against paying running backs, but I thought that the Jets should pay Le'Veon Bell. I am against uh, uh, drafting for need, but there are some exceptions. If it's close enough, then I'm going to go with the center. But I do also agree with you that I'm not just going to say, oh, well, McCoy has gone, and now these other guys, I'll, I'll just give me the next guy. It has to be good enough. But I do think that there will be a center available that is good enough and good value in those third rounds that it's going to be hard for me to imagine them not taking them with one of those third-round picks.
0: I think if it's relatively close, you go with the center. But like I said, if there's a player that you love that dropped... You don't yeah. take the center over him. Polite would be an example. If he's somebody that they really like, I don't know what they think of Ja'Kai Polite, yeah. but just as one example. But I do agree that center should be a priority, and if there's a center they like that drops to the third round, should absolutely be in high consideration.
3: Hey, guys. This is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming upcoming Coming 2020-2021 college basketball season, I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next
0: question comes in from Rodimus Prime. He wants to know, with Mac having the for sale sign up for number three, aside from the obvious that this team needs more picks, is it fair to assume that Mac has a lot of these players graded similarly. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think that Mac just might feel that they have a lot of holes to fill and he needs the extra picks to fill them and that he would rather do that than go with an excellent player that they could get at number three no matter how good that player is. As far as how they rank them sure it's possible that they have say Josh Allen and Brian Burns graded closely maybe they think less of Nick Bosa than we think they think maybe they love Quinn and Williams but they decided they don't want an interior defensive lineman Or maybe they just don't think he's that good Who really knows what they're thinking But I would say that it doesn't necessarily Mean that at all it could just mean that Mac thinks that having a lot of extra picks To fill holes is the superior Way to go as opposed to Having that one really good player or even Excellent player
1: yeah I think That uh I I think that they Probably do have most of these players Relatively similar but most Of the first round options at least with Uh but I don't think that's why he's doing this. I think it's because he knows that he needs more talent. He needs to get more players in here. He knows he needs to still build an offense around him. He knows he's missed a bunch of uh, draft picks. and He's somebody who's said this the whole time since he first got hired. He wants to build through the draft. He values draft picks. Now, he has not done a great job of using those draft picks to build through the draft. But the more picks he gets, the more he thinks he'll be able to get right. And so I think that's the motivation that's driving him to do this. Not so much the uh, the similarity between all these players. But, you know, this isn't a, a very top-heavy draft. A lot of the value is in the second and third rounds. And this is a, a bad year not to have a second-round pick. It's worth it because of why they don't have it. They got Sam Darnold, so it's not like you want to go and change history or anything there. But the, the value is in those middle round those, you know, second, third, fourth round here, and is not a very top heavy draft. Of course, they are picking at three and do have a possibility to get a and Williams who is, you know, is, is heavy up at the top. Just to
0: clarify, I didn't mean that I didn't think that they have most of these guys toward the top ranked similarly. I was more referring to guys like Bosa, Quinn and Williams, and to a lesser extent, Josh Allen, but definitely Bosa and Williams. I'd be pretty surprised if they don't have Bosa and Williams graded significantly higher than the rest of the field. But as far as everybody else, yeah, I do think that they probably have them graded fairly similarly. But I'm with you, Chris. I think that's not the primary motivation for why they would want to trade down. Next question comes in from Sun Moon Rise says, I know you guys are not very high on Darren Lee, but Manish Mehta from the Daily News reports that Lee is drawing trade interest from other teams. What might these other teams see in him that the Jets have missed? In other words, what would be the ideal role for Darren Lee on the field? I think he fits best in a 4-3 system as an inside linebacker. I don't think that he has the strength to be an edge rusher. I don't think that he has the instincts to be that Deion Buchanan that clearly Todd Bowles thought he was going to be. And I also think that it's a matter of him being an excellent athlete and somebody that they look at with a $1.8 million price tag on him and say, well, if we run a four three or even a three four, maybe we get this guy in here for cheap, try to do something with him. If it doesn't work out, oh, well, we didn't really invest a lot. If it does, we may have hit on a gem. That's how a lot of these things go. I don't think that they necessarily see a gold mine. I think they just see somebody that they think they might be able to turn into something and that it might be worth trying for a minimal investment.
1: Yeah, that's that's what's going to happen for the most part with these types of trades at this point unless it's somebody in in a contract dispute like a DeMarcus Lords type of situation, it's going to be somebody that okay, we kind of like this guy, let's take a chance on him and see if we can get him in here and see what we can do and you know that he's on just one more year of the contract, the Jets obviously aren't going to pick up that option. Um so I think he'd be best suited in the 4-3 and a coverage role, basically. You got the, the big bodies up front, so he do, isn't getting, you know, handled by the offensive line. He can roam free a little bit more, but it'd have to be more of a part-time role to be in coverage. But we've also seen him struggle in coverage, too. Um, I just, I you know, if, I can see interest – Uh, teams being interested in them, but again, I just can't see anyone being interested enough to give anything of real value up. I think you get something for them, but it's not going to be anything that fans are going to be super excited about.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint
0: Next question comes in from Gus Toon, who's one of my favorites. So I'm going to let him ask two questions because he has two of them. We'll start with this one. Everyone goes on about how Mac can't draft, but there's a whole team headed by Hammerdinger and Carr. A lot of people saying if this draft gets screwed up, Mac should be fired, but he seems to be excellent at trades. Shouldn't the scouts also be in hot water if this doesn't work out? Obviously, of course, they should. Anybody on McKagan's staff should be in hot water if this doesn't work out. That said, what it all comes down to is this is Max's team. He's the one that picked these guys, and so if things don't work out... He's the one that has to be held accountable for it because he's at the top of the food chain. Now, you'd probably want to sweep out everybody, but McCagnon would be the big fish and he would be the one to pay the price above everybody else. And rightfully so, because like I said, he's the one that assembled the staff and he's the one that ultimately has to make the final decision on these. As far as him being a great trader... Eh, sometimes yes sometimes no we've seen him deal mid and late round draft picks for guys like Rashard Robinson that deal didn't really help much you can make the argument that a seventh rounder for Fitzpatrick was pretty good but it got them a nice year out of him and then after that it was a headache you could make the argument that a fifth rounder for Brandon Marshall was good he gave them a great year but only one great year you go down the list I know the Sheldon trade was really good even the Donald trade, as much as we look at it now like it was a great deal, let's remember they gave up a lot, and it worked out well for the Colts, so it's not like it was some great highway robbery that he pulled off. I think he's been better with trades than with the draft, but I don't know that I necessarily buy him as this incredible trading guy.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I agree with you there. Um, I'm going to go uh, veer a little left, and then I'll circle back around to answer these questions here, but I'm going to take a little detour to, uh, you know, get the uh, the, the super pro McAgnins, the McAgnins supporters, going to get them a little angry. You talked about those Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall trades. And remember, he, he won the executive of the year that his first year. And people like to trumpet that, that he can be this great GM. And those moves were good and worked out for that year. Those Those same moves are a big part of the reason why the second year failed miserably. So as as good as those moves were for that one year, they all really hurt the team the next year with Revis uh, and that contract. Brandon Marshall, Fitzpatrick, bringing Fitzpatrick back. So in that as great as people want to point at that first year was for him, that first year kind of hurt the team in the long run. So it was good for one year, and that's it. But let's go back to judging uh, the, the scouts it's always a really hard thing to do because what if these scouts were been te- like, I don't know, what, are there were there scouts in the building that were like, hey, man, don't take Jamal. Take this Patrick Mahomes guy. This Patrick Mahomes guy is going to be amazing, and Mac just didn't listen to him because I'm not firing that guy if that's the case. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I know there were plenty of scouts in that building at the time that were saying, no, man, don't take uh, Hackenberg. Don't take it. I know, that, I know for a fact that there were plenty of people vocally against taking Hackenberg. McCagnin did it anyway, so I'm not going to punish those scouts for that. Uh, this is this is on McCagnin. He's the one that makes the picks, and if he's listening to other people to uh, influence why he made the picks, well, that's still on him. It doesn't matter at that point. The only thing that matters is his name is attached to each one of those picks. We know that our Darius Stewart was a John Morton pick, but doesn't matter. That's a McKagnon pick still. That He decided to go with it. He made that decision, so he has to take for the ball for that. It gets a little more uh, sketchy and dicey for me to comment on with the scouts. Now, maybe Christopher Johnson can go in and talk to everybody and and find out what each scout recommended there, and then he can make the decisions. You know, if I had all that information, then I could make a decision on which scout was right mostly and who to keep, and I, I don't have access to that decision. So it's a lot harder for me to sit here and say, well, McCagnin goes, all the scouts have to go, because there could be some scouts in there that were trying to steer McCagnin in the right direction, but he just didn't listen for whatever reason.
0: Forgot to throw in Zach Stacy and Ryan Clady in
1: there too, by the way. Yeah, so. yeah, Clady. I was going to bring in Clady because, and that was a trade I was all for at the time. So I'm not retroactively knocking him. I'm not knocking that pick at all, but it definitely didn't work out.
0: Yeah, Max largely been better with trades than draft. He's been okay. I don't think he's been extraordinarily good at trading. Next question from Gus is, with the amount of cap space left, thinking the Jets are going to make a deal on draft day for a player plus picks for the third overall, love DeMarcus Lawrence, what would you think it would take to make this trade happen? So as far as the cap space I think that part of them hoarding it is that in case something like this were to be available to Marcus Lawrence, they'd be able to do it. I don't think that they're necessarily counting on it because remember, the money can roll over with Demarcus Lawrence. The Cowboys definitely do not want to trade him. However, He's already threatening to pull Le'Veon Bell if they don't get him a long-term deal to his liking. They have a ton of players to pay over the next couple of years. Byron Jones, Jalen Smith, they have to pay Lael Collins, Zeke, Dak, Amari Cooper, on and on down the line, and so you can't pay them all. Now, I understand that Tank Lawrence is a premium player at a premium position, but do they sit there and say, I don't know if we can invest $22 million, especially after getting Robert Quinn? Maybe. Now, Robert Quinn is probably there as insurance against Randy Gregory, but still having him might make the Cowboys a little more comfortable in the idea of trading Demarcus Lawrence. Now, Chris, I proposed this on Twitter the other day, and I think it's fairly reasonable. Even some Cowboys fans said, I don't want to trade Lawrence, but that's not a bad deal. The Jets give up their first rounder next year the Saints third rounder this year and Darren Lee in exchange for Demarcus Lawrence and the Cowboys fifth round pick this year, which would replace the fifth rounder that they flipped to the Raiders for Colesio Semele. That way, the Jets get themselves that edge rusher they're desperate for and they have the money to pay. Darren Lee goes in a deal and he goes to a team that might be able to use him because, remember, we said the Cowboys have cap issues. Darren Lee only gets $1.8 million. <sighs> Chris Richard and Rod Marinelli may look at him as somebody they could do something with this year. It also breaks down where the Cowboys get more in the trade than the Chiefs got for D Ford, but less than the Raiders got For Khalil Mack, so that makes sense as well. And for the Cowboys, they get Tank Lawrence out of the NFC. So I think this would work out well for both teams. If the Cowboys decide that they need to move on from Tank Lawrence and trade him, I think that's probably around what it would cost to get him. Would I consider trading out of the third pick? To get DeMarcus Lawrence, it would depend on what the deal is, but my preference would be to not move that pick and instead to use next year's first-rounder.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, could you do some type of swap with the first round? Something like that could work, but I, I think you you got a pretty good uh, a rough outline for the package, at least. It'd be pretty close to something like that. Again, who knows if the da- Cowboys would have any interest in Darren Lee. Uh, But something along those lines seems like it would work Uh, to get back to the first part of that with the Jets, you know, having cap space available. I think there's a a couple of things there. A. McCagney is going to always want to keep flexibility. That's first off. I also just think it was more of a they ran out of players to pay. There, that, there was only so many players that they wanted to pay. They wanted to pay Anthony Barr to make it more, but they looked around and they were like, yeah, these other guys aren't somebody that we really want to go pay. So I think that's mostly why there's this that's still uh, all that cap space left because obviously if Anthony Barr decided to come here, they'd have that much less. Um, so I, he likes having that flexibility, and that's always a good thing. Like you said, he can roll over next year if they don't end up using it but it's always good to have in case demarcus lawrence becomes available there uh then with the cowboys you're right about their contracts because it's not as simple as just being like okay the De- demarcus lawrence pass rusher need the pass rusher it should be that simple but like i was talking about before with washington and their uh for making impulsive crazy dumb decisions and we're talking about jerry jones here and i can't see him not being willing to pay Dak prescott he's gonna want to pay ezekiel elliott (laughs) and then amari cooper they traded a first round pick for so you kind of have to pay him so they have to pay those guys i it's gonna be tough for them to be able to fit the marcus lawrence in so could they sit there and look and say okay look we need to get something for him, and we need to make this move. And then that that the rough outline that you presented sounds about right. The, you're right. The the perfect swat, sweet spot of being between what D. Ford got and what the, the the Chiefs and what Khalil Mack brought back to the Raiders, it would fall somewhere in the middle there.
0: And just to add on to that, Chris, I'm not making Darren Lee the centerpiece of any deal. I'm just saying he could be a bit of a throw in a sweetener because he's a cheap player that they might see something in that they could do something with for this year when Dallas is going to be presumably a playoff contender. And as far as Tank Lawrence, there were people that were responding. Can't give up a first rounder. This team needs draft picks. Listen. We're talking about a 26-year-old edge rusher who is one of the best in the league. Over the last two years, he's had the fourth most sacks in the NFL. Those guys do not grow on trees. And so if you can get him and give up a first rounder and a third rounder and Darren Lee, you do it. Period, end of sentence, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I know he's going to have shoulder surgery, but from what I understand, it's not really going to impact anything as far as his burst and his ability to get to the quarterback, so I'm not worried about it. And as far as the contract, because some people have said, how could you give up all that for rental? Obviously, this question is predicated on the idea that the Jets would work out a deal with Lawrence before the trade was finished, just the same way that the Bears did with Khalil Mack.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Next question comes in from Will. He asked one before, but I'll let him get in a second one because he's awesome. This is at not 69. He says, in a trade back, say as far as 15, what possible players would be there that the Jets should target? couple of names I'm thinking of, Burns, Jonah Williams, Ferrell, Taylor, Sweat, who would be most likely to be there? It's so hard to predict that this far out, to be honest. If any of those guys are on the board, clearly they would be in heavy consideration. I think at that point at 15, you could even consider Garrett Bradbury. I think that if DK Metcalf was on the board, as you said, that's a guy you could think about taking TJ Hawkinson, if he's available as somebody, but yeah, Burns, certainly Jonah Williams, Farrell. I don't know. Eh, I'm starting to think that he may slide to the end of the first round. Juan Taylor, I like a lot, so if he's there, I would certainly consider that. Montez Sweat, it really depends on the medicals, but yeah, any of those guys if they're available, but it's really hard to tell right now who's going to be there at fifteen this far out from the draft.
1: Yeah, there, there's if they go down to fifteen, there will be a lot of uh, options there, and if you know you see Burns go off the board or Sweat, uh, Sweat go uh, Sweat go off the board, you're not going to get too upset because they're you're going to sit there and be like, "Oh, there's still like 12 other guys here. I'd be comfortable taking." Uh, if if he's a, if they traded to 15 and Hawkinson is still available, you'd have a hard time talking me out of that being the pick at that at that position. Again, he's, he's just an uh, all-around great tight end. He can block, so he's an extra offensive lineman. He's a really good receiver. Can help Sam Darnold in the passing game. I think you'd have a really hard time taking me out of that pick but again I if I I said that DK Metcalf would be the least uh criticized outside of those edge guys and all that stuff with the third pick I would definitely be comfortable taking him at 15 and then you could kind of look at you know a tackle like that would be a spot um to go somewhere like that or you know again Burns there's there's so many options That's one of the appeals to me about being able to trade back, back and down. I know you're not going to get the Quinn and Williams type there, but I know I'm going to get a pick a player that I'm going to be really happy with if I trade it down to 15. So I'd, I'd be happy to do that.
0: Next comes in a whole bunch of questions from our guy, Michael Christopher. He says, people always want to trade back, but what do you think the realistic possibility is that the Jets could make a deal with the Redskins and get anything close to what the Rams and Titans got? The Rams, of course, he's talking about the haul that they got to trade out of the RG3 pick. And with the Titans, he's referencing the year that both Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were drafted. Chances you think the Jets will trade down. And if they pick Allen or Q with the first pick, do you think the next three picks should be corner and offensive line? I would say it's at least a 50% chance they trade down, maybe even 60%. I think that's McCagnin's preference. It's just a matter of if somebody offers him something he likes, I just hope he doesn't trade out of that pick for an inferior offer. As far as the trading back, listen, I don't think there's any chance that the Jets are getting anything close to what was given up for RG3 or for Wentz or Goff because – I just don't think that there's any team that sees Dwayne Haskins that way, so I don't see them getting that kind of haul. I would be very, very surprised if the Redskins give up anything close to that. I think if they want to move up, they might be willing to give up a pretty good haul, but I don't think it's going to be anything like that. And as far as the rest of the draft, if they pick Allen or Quinn and Williams with their first pick at number three... I would still mostly go best available player. I would look to target offensive linemen, certainly. I would look to target corner because I know those are areas of need, but I'm not picking inferior players just because they play a certain position. If it's close, yes, but I'm not going to pick a prospect who's nowhere near as good just because he plays a certain position.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. We we'll keep saying this. I'll keep saying this until I'm dead and in the ground, buried six <laughs> feet under the ground. You can't just take a player out of position just because he plays that position. It, it need he needs to be good enough. If and that's why. I still feel confident that they will take a center with one of those third round picks, but I say that not because they're going to they're going to force it. I think there will be a center worth taking available when their pick comes around at the in the third. And then I think they will do that and they should do that and they should pounce on that. Now if I'm wrong and you know all those centers that are were would have been worth it or off the board, then you have to look elsewhere, and it'll be the same for cornerback. Again, you can't force this, and you end up trying to just take a need and address a need, and then you get an inferior player, and then you wasted that pick, and then you go back next year, and this – that's still a need and you still have all the other needs again there's no way the jets were going to be able to fill all their needs this year so you can't get hung up on that if they come away out of the draft again the only reason why i get put a little bit more on the center is because it's literally protecting sam darnold we saw what happened with the bad center how he got him hurt last year so that's a little bit more but you can't just take a center just to take a center. He still has to be somebody you believe in and think is actually worth taking at that pick.
0: Final question, and I think it's the perfect one to end on because it's something where we can envision a world that doesn't involve Tom Brady torturing the Jets. This is from Prepare for Disappointment, wants to know, thought experiment, if Tom Brady's level of play falls off a cliff this season, how does the division play out? Honestly, I think the Dolphins have thrown in the towel, so I'm not worried yeah. about them. There's no way that they should beat the Jets at all this year. It could still happen because that's just the way the NFL works. But they're clearly looking to tank whether they say it or not. I think if Brady is really, really bad for some reason... I still think the Patriots have a pretty good chance to win the division because Belichick is just that smart and knows how to overcome pretty much anything. However, if the Patriots fall completely, I think that the Jets and Bills would be in a heated battle for that spot in the division. I'd give the edge to the Jets only because I prefer Darnold to Josh Allen, but the Bills made some nice moves this offseason, and they're building too, so... If it came down to the Jets and Bills, I think it would be a heated battle. But as it is, I think that the Patriots are going to win the division fairly comfortably. And the Jets and Bills will do battle for second place. Both teams have a chance to at least be in the discussion for a 500 record this year. And the Dolphins are a non-factor because they're not even trying.
1: Uh, Well, Mr. Prepared for Disappointment is is not living by his Twitter handle. (laughs) (laughs) He he is preparing for excitement right there because I think... I think no matter what happens, if the Patriots fell and Brady fell off a cliff this year, I think Jets fans would would be all right with the Bills winning the division. As long as it's not the Patriots, they can take some solace in that. Uh, But I'm with you with the Bills. I really like what they did this offseason. I still obviously have huge questions and concerns about Josh Allen. And I'm interested to see how they're going to use him this year. Are they going to let him run as much as they did last year? Because if they let him just run like that. Then I think that there's going to be, he's going to be better than I in the NFL than I thought he would be. I don't see them being willing to do that for too long, just because the wear and tear is, it's going to take on him the risk of injury. I feel like they're going to start to try to dial that back a bit and make him more of a pocket passer. And that's where things will fall apart for him. So they're a huge wild card. i am exactly agreed with you on the Dolphins. You have to remove them from this equation. They're not even in the discussion. But – Patriots, knowing Belichick knowing what they do all of a sudden they'd have the best defense in the league, and then they'll just run the ball with Sony Michelle and about forty times a game, and somehow they're still squeaking out these wins and still squeaking by and winning the division but if if that's the case, if Brady falls off a cliff or gets you know hurt isn't playing, then all of a sudden the Jets have you're going to have realistic hopes and dreams of being able to win the division for once. And that's, it could possibly happen. Now you'd probably end up losing in the first playoff game uh, or whatever, but that'd be a feather. You could put in your hat and be happy about at least for a season You were better than the Patriots.
0: And thus concludes our three-part weekend mailbag. Thank you so much to everybody who submitted questions overwhelming response and we didn't want to leave anybody out especially since so many of the questions were great so thank you so much for that we will do another mailbag next weekend and it will be just as much of a very big deal because chris nimbly will be here once again chris thanks so much for joining me for anybody that doesn't know where to find you and read your very big deal work and interact with you in social media why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can do that
1: yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CNimbly or at Jets Insider and, of course, JetsInsider.com. Next week, uh, Monday, I'm going to start pumping out draft articles. Like I said, I have I spent this week watching. I got a lot of takes. I've got fully formed stuff on and Williams, Bosa, and DK Metcalf. So I got a lot of stuff I, I've started working on already, and I'm just trying to get some of the advertising and stuff done on my site right now so I can get that up and running. But I, regardless of what happens, I'm going to start pumping out this draft content because the draft's coming. Whether I like it or not, draft's coming. This content's got to get out there.
0: Lots of draft coverage coming your way from JetsInsider.com and TurnOnTheJets.com. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. In the meantime, visit JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.